0: From Washington, this is the HPS Macrocast with Hamilton Place Strategies and Markets Policy Partners. Hello, this is the Hamilton Place Strategies Macrocast with our friends from Markets Policy Partners. Every Friday, we take a look at the big economic policy and data stories of the week, and we look ahead at what to expect next week. My name is Tony Fratto, founding partner at HPS. You can check out Hamilton Place Strategies at www.hamiltonps.com. We also tweet at HPS Insight. And I tweet personally at Tony Fratto. I got to know John Fagan during his time running the markets room at the U.S. Treasury Department and Brendan Walsh when he was a senior analyst at Discovery Capital covering global financial institutions. John and Brendan founded Markets Policy Partners, where they provide independent financial market analysis for, among others, public sector audiences. You can find them at www.marketspolicy.com. It's Thursday, June 20th. John and Brendan are in Washington, D.C., and I'm coming to you today from Brussels, uh, where we just had the uh, Institute for International Finance uh, conference today here, and we uh, uh, Give you a little, uh, and since we're going to talk a little bit more about Europe today, um, finally, John Brendan, I think we're going to get into uh, Italy eventually on this uh, on this show. We've been trying to do it for weeks, but we had news this week. We had Fed policy news. We had ECB news. In fact, the ECB uh, preempting the Fed. That sound you hear are doves flying everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, so Mario Draghi, uh, you know, came out and uh, and uh, you know ahead of ahead of the uh, the you know the highly anticipated, um, you know, uh, FOMC meetings this week, and and uh, indicated that he's he's still you know whatever it, Mister whatever it takes, um, and uh, you know markets liked it, didn't
1: they? Yeah, they certainly did. And uh, as as you point out, traders are referring to this of traders are referring to this as whatever it takes part two the sequel hey. <laughs> and uh so mario draghi from the uh european uh central bankers conclave in central portugal that they do every year uh really set the dovish tone for the week on tuesday morning when he when he referred to uh you know the potential for additional accommodation specifically uh tapping um you know, rate cuts and even flagging uh, more potential headroom in the asset purchase program, and uh, yes, as as you as you pointed out, this this was uh, very you know well received by financial markets, and it was it it's, comes you know it was a bit of a surprise as as you said, and it comes right on the heels of the ECB just fleshing out the details of their uh, concessionary loan program at the at the previous meeting, the so called TROs um, and, um, those, uh, that, that was, the ink was still fresh on that. And, uh, and, and with Mario Draghi, the man, a lot of traders call super Mario and, uh, putting his, uh, putting his, um, well-known, uh, abilities to move markets and surprise markets, uh, right in the spotlight on Tuesday, we saw the Euro drop. Uh, we saw European and actually global equities rally pretty sharply and uh, and certainly uh, EU sovereign bond yields sink uh, sink to uh, pretty notable notable lows dragging. US treasury yields along with them and this was uh, even before the the Fed's performance
0: on uh, on Wednesday. Brendan, the euro drop was uh, was was noticed by Somebody uh, a few blocks from our office there in D.C. That wasn't. uh, Yeah, it seems
2: that uh, Mario uh, might have uh, started a little uh, currency war, and you know, I I think Mario's actions were were kind of Machiavellian. He only has a couple uh, meetings left, and right after his press conference. there was there was large pushback from a lot of the, uh, the the northern European central bankers that were meeting. They were saying, "Hey, pump the brakes there, second. That's not exactly what we talked about." But Marlon has two meetings left, so I think he, he kind of wanted to to make the bed for his uh, predecessor that they couldn't uh, you know get out of it because uh, you know the odds are that whoever follows him is going to be probably German and a little less um, super.
1: Well, the the succession issue really is it, it is something that is. Clearly in the background, and we saw with Bernanke's, uh, you know, before Bernanke's term was up, before Yellen's term was up, a lot of Fed watchers thought that some of their actions were dictated by just as just as Brendan said, the uh, a desire to set the table or uh, you know do some make some of the hard decisions used there you know, long established credibility and bona fides with the markets to make some of the tough decisions. So it's not left to their untried successors to, to, to
2: make, uh,
0: you know, right. Like I'm sort of torn on this a little bit, but I feel like, uh, I mean, look, I think, I think Draghi's trying to do the right, I think he's trying to do the right thing. I mean, cause I, I mean, I think that the next guy is going to have pressure to, uh, to, you know, to, to, uh, to not be as, uh, from their view, very from the German view, Draghi is, you know, profligate. And, um, and so th- there'll be pressure on that next guy. But, you know, I think back to when, um, you know, when Bernanke followed, uh, Greenspan and he came in and Greenspan had in place, you know, the 25, you know, we were in the midst of the 25 yeah. point, uh, step up, you know, post, um, You know, post uh, recession, post um, uh, you know, tax on Wall Street, equity bubble popping, and and the the millennial, right? It was like all these factors coming together as to why we went, um, you know, we went so low. And so we were on this this pace of the quarter point step ups, and I think that was a mistake, right? It was sort of, you know, you, you you know where you want to get back to to some you know, range, um, of, you know, b- based on your view of the world and output and, and, and unemployment and, and, uh, price pressures. And so, um, but, but be, you know, it's, it's not obvious that that happens in a steady you know, linear fashion exactly. of 25 points for over a period of, you know, two years. That just, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense, but Bernanke was kind of stuck with it. And, uh, because he was following the maestro it would have been, you know, difficult for him to make a, a dramatic change. Yeah,
2: and when he paused in the summer of 06, that really took the markets by, by surprise. Everyone just thought we were on uh, <clears> cruise control and that uh, the at that point, the housing market was being discussed, but it was not consensus that, that it was the bubble that it
0: became. Yeah, that's right. You could have used the, you know, helicopter ban a lot earlier, right?
2: Without a doubt, because then the next – cut
0: was like 100 basis points <laughs> it's it is, it is amazing right i mean that i mean that was in 2006 and um you know but you get it you get into the summer of 2008 this is when central yeah. banks they, they have yeah. a tough job it's like you know and and it's it's always easy to look back at the mistakes they made you know but Trichet, you know then president of the ecb um in 2008 actually raised rates in july of 2008 yeah. right
2: he was the, he was applauded for that
0: he was yeah
1: in uh, Draghi's turn, I think it's it's drawn you know obviously positive positive reviews, positive price action in financial markets, and uh, he's obviously well respected, and his his track record is 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 obviously incredibly impressive um, during his tenure.
2: The uh, well, if you can he, if he, you can have Portuguese yields below American, you probably <laughs> yeah. deserve a pat yeah. on the back. But, but yeah, the but the, by the, by the, the pivot, yields.
0: Are, I mean, the yields are are stunningly low. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I saw, uh, you know, Jean Lemire here, was here on a panel. He was the, um, you know, former uh, head of the uh, European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, now chairman of BNP Paribas. And he was, you know, he understood, you know, he, under, he understands where, where, you know, where Draghi is, understands where, you know, where we are, where the economy is, and, and, uh, and why, um, you know, and, uh, you know, easy monetary policy is where we need to be. But he was, you know, sort of bemoaning, like, you know, here we are, you know, it's been a really long time to be, you know, to be so low mm-hmm. and you would have thought that we could be um, in a place where rates are where, you know, at least if you're at a certain age and you have a certain <laughs> level of experience, you think, you know, is something like normal for a range of rates and we're, we're, we're nowhere near that. I think that, that has that's hard for, you know, for a lot of people. And he was sort of, be, you know, bemoaning that, that we're, you know, we're, we're in a very accommodative, um, uh, environment and we're going to be in an, economy, an, an accommodative environment for, for a very long time. Okay. And of course, it's really difficult for uh, European banks right, to right. actually make any money. Right? They can't make money. Their, you know, their, um, uh, their return on on capital is um, negative. When Mario so, Draghi,
1: in his comments, when he flagged the potential for additional rate cuts, he did refer to. Potential mitigating measures that they could put in place. I guess that would be referring to a tiered, potentially tiered deposit system. We've heard ECB officials chatter back and forth a little bit about that. It's not clear that they really have any plans in place, but uh, Mario Draghi certainly mentioned it in right in uh, connection when he uh, just right after he topped talked, talked about the potential to cut rates. But I mean, his the, the looking at the way that rates are and this and the policy settings are certainly one thing. They're eye poppingly accommodative. But looking at the data, it's hard to look at the data uh, coming out of Europe and the market-based uh, readings of inflation expectations and say this was a, this was a <laughs> this was an inappropriate uh, policy shift toward a more dovish setting. It's the economic you know the economic readings uh, manufacturing PMI is in contraction in the core of Europe and Germany. Uh, you know the five-year five-year inflation swap, which is Mario Draghi's. Uh, his his very favorite market based gauge of inflation expectations below where it was in 2016, where we had a yeah. deflationary scare. I mean, it was down at 1.1 percent. That's eye wateringly <laughs> uh, concerning levels there, and so it's certainly ha- he was he was able to the fact that Mario Draghi was able to surprise the markets in a positive way when fundamentals were you know perhaps you know, screaming for some kind of action from, from yeah. the ECB, I think speaks to his mastery of the craft here.
0: Yeah, but I'm going to be in Germany. Uh, I'm going to yeah. be in Germany next week. And um, you know, and I, I'm pretty sure like when I cross the border, I think they're just going to hand me <laughs> buns, right? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> right? They're just going to give <laughs> them yeah. away now. And, and that <laughs>
2: goes back to your point about the president, where I, I hope we're not starting a, a currency war, but he does have a point where you know, Japan and, and uh, Europe are are low forever, and the the dollar has been at the the high end of its strength for or for a while now, um, but but the, the fiscal side in Europe has still kind of been austerity. So while well, I I don't want to you know give him credit for bickering, he does have a point that that well, let's fast. not let's fair. Fast,
0: Brendan, let, yeah, let's fast forward to from from Tuesday to Wednesday then, and and uh, with FOMC, um, and you know it's the highly anticipated. Right. Uh, Meeting for for Jay Powell because of the president's uh, most overwhelmingly because of the president's uh, exactly, you know, seeming, you know, but, but, you know, pulling out the bullhorn and putting pressure on uh, on him and questions about whether the president could remove him from the job. And so a lot of attention this week. And then you have the currency uh, questions um, and uh, and Draghi's comments the day before. So it was, you know, very highly watched. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he seemed to get through it. Okay. But uh, and, and signal very clearly to markets that, you know, get ready. Cuts coming in July, right?
2: Yeah. So right now, Fed fund futures out, are at 100% for a 25 basis point cut next uh, next month. Yeah,
1: actually. And the, the odds of uh, 50 basis, a lot of a lot of Fed watchers and analysts on Wall Street are uh, tipping a 50 basis point kickoff to this easy, what they see as an easing cycle. And uh, the odds of 50 basis point, I think, are, uh, are you know, around 25 percent
0: um, for for the July meeting. That would certainly. John, you just you just made the you just made the data dependent case for Draghi's signaling. Can you make the same data dependent case for for Jay Powell? Sure. The uh,
1: the, the the Fed would. Uh, The Fed would tell you that uh, inflation, uh, he talked about uncertainties, particularly overseas uncertainties. And that's, you know, that that dovetails exactly with what Mario Draghi is responding to. um, And weakness in, you know, certainly in I mean, Chinese economic data, Japan, uh, South Korea, the the Bank of Korea uh, came out dovish last night. It's the, the global growth Uh, slowdown is something that the Fed is right to contend with. Uh, They're a little bit cagier about their assessment of the U.S. economy. They still speak pretty favorably about it, although we've had economic data being a mixed
2: bag. But the the New York... uh, manufacturing and the Philly today were kind of shockingly weak.
1: Yeah, there's 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 clearly something going on. And uh, the last night, as, as we said last week, the non-farm payroll number was a little bit of a disappointment. But the the where they're really hanging their hat is on that inflationary downside risk, and uh, whether it's PCE, whether it's market based gauges, uh, the break evens that we've talked about, um, and uh, and inflation swaps. That's really where the the, the data based justification for the Fed to be moving is. But, you know, the Fed is still, you know, what we've seen is, again, the Fed pivots, the the market sets a dovish benchmark, the Fed pivots toward it, uh, and yeah. then the market assumes an even greater dovish. Yeah,
2: <laughs> the, the goalposts <laughs> right, keep moving. Right. So for the last nine months, the market has been the best predictor of what the Fed is do. They basically acted with I, a two-month well, delay. I, I
0: generally think that's where. I mean, look, I, I've, I've said this for a really, really long time, and I don't think I'm the only one who's ever said it because I don't think it's original observation at all. But that you know, like, sort of look where the ten-year is, and that's kind of where the. I mean, the direction the Fed is generally going to go. I mean, it, it, it does. Tend to follow a little bit, uh, follow more than it does lead.
2: If you mean hundred uh, percent correlation, then yeah, you're right.
1: <laughs> There's certainly yeah. yeah the commentary in the markets at least lately. The commentary in the markets, yeah. of course, you have you have self-serving uh, and sort of self-centric narratives. In I think probably a lot of different quarters, when it comes to the Fed meeting, the market basically is. You, you know, we see a lot of commentary from analysts saying the market basically is is is. Is pushing the Fed. It's leading the Fed by the nose. It's been doing this for uh, for quite a while now. It sets, you know, it it sets the. It sets market policy. The bond market sets the policy, and the Fed ratifies that. Uh, and the, of course, if you went to the West Wing and said, uh, "Why is the Fed turning dovish?" There probably would be some thought that maybe the pressure from the West, the political pressure, is finally getting through to these guys. Uh, and if you go and talk to the people at the Fed, they are saying they would probably say, "No, they were looking very closely. The data is leading us to this conclusion." So everybody's got their own narrative as to uh, as to maybe why the uh, why the Fed is doing what they're doing. But the fact remains that the market really has moved so now the the base case is no longer two rate hikes by the end of the year it's now moved to three there's a considerable cuts uh, yeah cuts. <laughs> sorry <I'm> so- <laughs> sorry that was a residual from uh, from right. last october uh the uh yeah the and and certainly decent market implied odds of a fourth cut that would be a full percentage point uh, of uh, rate easing by
2: year end <laughs> This also the Fed statement was interesting because they, they clearly uh, said that if the trade negotiations with China keep um, are negative, then we'll cut. But that also on the flip side <clears throat> opens up that if you cut a deal, then they don't have to cut. So the so Fed statement probably plays. Into Trump's negotiation with China, you, you don't want to cut the deal before you get your your Fed rate well, cut between
1: now. Yeah, between now and the next meeting, if uh, if all of a sudden the U.S. data kind of turns around and uh, and we get some really upbeat. Constructive dialogues going with China, and we start moving toward a deal. <laughs> the
0: the friend is going to find I mean, themselves. Brendan I raised that last week as a conspiracy theory, and <laughs> you know called out, it a conspiracy. Yeah. And like now, I'm thinking every time I read this uh, this week, I you know that uh, or you know since the since the press conference, I'm thinking, man, he might be right. Right, <laughs> this is- I know. He made. He made yeah, he was gonna it s- might not have been the initial
2: plan, but it, it might yep, just work out that back. way.
0: Well, okay. So why don't we um, why don't we take a break? Uh, and we, we have a lot of stuff still uh, still want to get into. Well, actually, one of the things I'm gonna uh, I'd like for us to get into after the break too. I'm gonna ask you if there's another. We're gonna be looking at another central bank uh, in the world. That's uh, you know the Facebook central bank uh, with a new <laughs> currency called the, the, the Libra. Uh let's take a break right now. You're listening to the macrocast. This is Tony Fratto coming to you from Brussels. John Fagan and Brendan Walsh in DC. All right, we're back on the Hamilton Play Strategies macrocast. Uh John Fagan and Brendan Walsh from Markets Policy Partners in Washington, D.C. I'm Tony Fratto in Brussels. Um guys, you know, I mean, so Italy um you know, uh, you know, Italy is in a tough. is still in a tough situation. They're going to be in a tough situation for, uh, for a while. The political situation is still uh, difficult for them. They're still battling with um, with Europe. Um, what do we make of where they are right now?
1: Well, I think in just in a, a very short take. It's the the picture isn't necessarily a pretty one, but the market reaction and the mar- the way that markets are reflecting, we've seen a lot worse than this, and uh, and that's uh, you know reflected in where Italian bond yields are. And this was even before Mario Draghi uh, did uh, pulled the uh, anything whatever it takes part two out of his hat on Tuesday morning. the uh, the counter the counter trend rally we'd seen, you know. Decent pressure building in uh, in Italian bonds. The spread is what uh, they they look at, and this that's the Italian yield, uh, the sovereign Italian yield differential over the German Bund equivalent duration, and they, they call it low spread according to the uh, the Financial Times. Of I don't have the uh, the the proper pronunciation. I'm sure for the uh, the yeah, Italian. Pretty, version,
0: good, pretty good, pretty
1: good. Los spread. Yes, uh, I'll, lo I'll, def- I'll defer si. to you on that one. The uh, the current level is about 240 basis points, and the threshold of pain has been uh, somewhere around 300 to 400 in the past, and that's 240 and falling. Uh, the The initial turnaround was uh, after the uh, after Deputy Prime Minister Salvini, the head of Liga. Indicated that he was not looking to uh, precipitate a a general election after the uh, after the European uh, parliamentary elections when Liga really outperformed. And uh, five Star, its coalition partners sort of uh, began to look very much like the junior partner. Speculation was that uh, he was that that Salvini and uh, and his um, northern Italian populists were really getting the wind in their sails, and uh, and we're going to start standing up in a much more aggressive way to the uh, to Brussels and uh, seeking a, seeking a, a, a general election to kind of ratify that um, at the uh, at the at the voter level. But uh, he. Uh, by saying that, who knows whether this is going to last? But by uh, by saying that he's not going to go for that, the bond market in Italy responded very positively to that, and uh, they uh, the sort of show of uh, show of unity uh, among uh, uh, Salvini, Di Maio, and uh, and the Prime Minister Conti uh, over the or at least trying to take some steps to yeah. uh, to see off. Um, Penalties that the European Commission might levy on them for fiscal uh, <laughs> for fiscal profligacy, and uh, that that's that's something that the European Commission the the process has begun officially and uh, and but instead of taking a, a hard line, at least for now it looks as though they're going to try to uh, the, that Rome is going to try to meet uh, the EC the European
0: Commission halfway. At it least. looks that way. Yeah, I mean the 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 idea that there would be another election really just spooked everyone. And actually, I was surprised that Conti of all people, you know, was actually was pretty strong on um, uh, essentially saying, "Look, if you know, you know, put the toys down. um, I'm out of here if we don't, um, um, you know, just focus on the job at hand." And that's what the Italian people want. And I think that was that was a good signal, right, from a a government you're not going to have a whole lot of confidence in, but um, but but maybe they're you know modestly dealing uh, understanding the reality of their situation
1: certainly and now with Mario Draghi tipping uh, that they that there's headroom in the asset purchase program obviously there's a sense that you know where is that headroom the you know purchasing more more bonds mm, probably more in the periphery and uh, the, yep. the idea that you know among all the different things that Mario Draghi said certainly you know additional accommodation in general is going to be helpful for uh, for italian uh, sovereign debt valuations but it's it's not necessarily the rate cuts i would think that the market's focused on in that case i think it's the prospect of additional uh, asset purchase uh, asset purchases by the ecb uh, which would include italian bonds presumably that has uh, spurred this rally so we're 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 you know not obviously not out of the woods, but uh, the markets are we're even seeing it in Italian bank stocks which have been trading at really multi they've, they've been at very, very depressed levels uh, and they've been slower to react than the, than the bond market. but even in the last few days we've seen uh, we've seen some more upbeat trading there and they're coming off the lows.
0: Well, hey, I wanted to uh, get into something else fun, which is uh, that we've got another currency to track now. It's going to be called the Libra um, that the uh, that uh, the Facebook will be um, issuing along with a really impressive, actually, consortium of partners. Um, uh, but you know, so we have to pay attention to another another currency here. Like, what do you, what do you guys think? <laughs> of it? It's come, I'll tell you, it's come up in in like half the panels. Um, uh, today and even uh, in a number of the meetings I was in yesterday.
1: Well, they're definitely paying attention to it on Capitol Hill. Yes. Uh, Maxine Waters <laughs> didn't waste a lot of time. It was uh, it was that that the same very same day uh, she called on Facebook and uh, the the Libra consortium to uh, hold fire on development and uh, and it wasn't just uh, this wasn't just on one side of the aisle. It was a, you know, there was a, a variety of different voices from Capitol Hill saying this, and we've seen, you know, from the the, there are obviously people that are that are much closer to this than I am, but the uh, the regulatory, um, there's there's been a sort of a constructive ambiguity on the regulatory uh, approach. Uh, at, uh, at the various agencies in, in DC, the federal agencies, toward cryptocurrencies, and maybe this is a precipitating factor. Some analysts have pointed out that this is going to force Capitol Hill and force regulators to really start uh, confronting this issue in a more, uh, you know, in a more with greater clarity and and substance. So that's uh, so that's that's a that's a positive. That's a silver lining, I guess.
2: Yeah, I and from was, what I've looked at it, it, okay, Brandon. it, this seems a little less like Facebook trying to create another dollar, and more like them trying to create a payments currency that allows yeah. them to uh, avoid uh, bank regulation.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's what I got from it too. And I, I actually thought that I, – I, I thought the um, I thought the Hill reaction to it uh, was you know was. Outsized for for what yeah, is actually yeah. for what they're actually trying to do. It's just re, it's really about payments. Um, yeah. uh, you know, broader system on payments. It's not that there aren't consequences. I mean, one of the things I liked about uh, you know just about the way they structured it is that they actually given thought to you know backing of it and it's going to have a basket you know basket of currencies and um, uh, it's not on some you know it doesn't require like you know. You know, burning all kinds of power for exactly. people to mine. Yeah. You know, uh, computer programs and uh, things like that. It's it's actually things that you that we're familiar with, which is called currency. You know, that are backed by the full faith and credit of governments, and you put it in a basket, and that's what's going to back up. Um, uh, you know, their their coin for transactions, and so I thought it was actually, you know, of all you know, of a lot of the the, the, the uh, crypto ideas out there was one of the ones that actually was actually thinking about. Uh, the fact that money is different um, uh, from other things,
2: right? Because this really isn't a cryptocurrency in the same way that, that no. Bitcoin is, which is Bitcoin is designed to try to avoid governments. This is this is much more of a digital currency, um, and, and well, I don't know if you know the Facebook thing is going to be successful or not. I think it is positive because it, it it brings this discussion into to the mainstream, and we can you know kind of instead of just throwing words out that some people think are positive and negative actually have a a, an intelligent discussion about uh, this because this isn't going anywhere and and someday you know we probably have digital sovereign currencies um so the the path that we get there can be bumpy, or it can be um, something that the the governments and the technology work side by side.
1: There's a, there's also a chance that uh, the that Capitol Hill and U.S. regulators sort of take a pass on the uh, on the, the deeper questions about uh, about payments and and uh, and cryptocurrencies and and that sort of thing, and focus on the on governance of Facebook, and that and obviously Maxine Waters right. focused that she was you know it 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 wasn't so much. You know, there was obviously uh, there was there were questions about the uh, about the cryptocurrency, but the questions really were the focus was really on Facebook itself. The questions that uh, are are percolating on Capitol Hill about the governance, uh, the privacy and uh, and certainly the antitrust uh, uh, investigations are, are going on right now. And so it's possible that they just turn this into, a you know, another part of the. You know, Facebook uh, oriented sort of inquiry, uh, rather than trying to grapple with the, the the issues of Libra, that would be a little disappointing, but uh, but not necessarily um, uh, out of um, <laughs> out out of out of character. The the I mean the in in terms of the DC uh, approach toward cryptocurrencies, it's really hard to it's really hard to nail. Nail down uh, the regulators and, and get and get clarity. I think they, you know, ambiguity is very useful for regulators because it it keeps everybody uh, it it keeps
2: everybody on their toes. Yeah, if you're the yeah, CEO so of a, if you're the CEO yeah. of a big bank, you're loving all this stuff because it's kind of clear that the uh, the Eye of Mordor has uh, moved away from New York City and is <laughs> planted squarely <laughs> on Silicon Valley. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I, you know, we you know, we squeezed it into the macro cast. I don't th- I think it'll be a long time before we think of it in, in any way as a yeah, macro exactly. issue. Uh, but it was but, but definitely it's fun, fun to talk about a new uh, a new uh, a new currency here. Uh, when we come back, um, can, let's let's talk about oil and then look ahead to next week. I mean, oil has been, uh, uh, you know, pretty volatile uh, for because of events in the uh, Straits of Hormuz the last couple of weeks uh, so let's let's lead with that when we get back, and then and then take a look at uh, what we can expect next week. You're listening to the Macrocast. This is Tony Fratto coming to you from Brussels today. John Fagan and Brendan Walsh in Washington D.C. We'll be back. All right, we're back. You're listening to the Macrocast. Uh, this is Tony Fratto from Hamilton Place Strategies coming to you from Brussels. John Fagan and Brendan Walsh, Markets Policy Partners in Washington D.C. And, um, you know, so oil's been uh, something to watch the last couple of weeks, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it certainly has. It was uh, it's been on a just to set the set the scene. Oil prices have been on a pretty, uh, pretty sustained downtrend, sharp downtrend since late April. Uh, Brent crude, the U.S., I mean, the international benchmark was up around seventy five dollars a barrel and uh, came sort of screaming lower uh, in the midst of a buildup of uh, of fundamental headwinds for the most part. Uh, rising supply and uh, U.S. supply from the shale patch, obviously, pretty noticeable, but uh, pretty notable. But the uh, the the degree of uh, the degree of downgrades on demand on the demand side because of the slowing global economy, really knocked oil for a loop. And uh, we saw, you know, increasing tensions in the Persian Gulf. Uh, the uh, there, there was a tanker. Uh, there were commercial vessels attacked in May, uh, and last week we saw tankers uh, attacked again. And the support, the upside in crude was remarkably fleeting. It was, uh, it was really, uh, it, it the the. Degree to which the negative fundamentals sort of overbalanced that geopolitical risk premium, that geopolitical risk response was remarkable. Uh, we're seeing oil prices after the drone, um, the the drone shoot down uh, this morning, where the the Iranians took down a U.S. drone, uh, and there's obviously debate over exactly where it was, uh, but. The oil prices are up, so Brent's up about five percent today. That's a pretty meaningful mm-hmm. uh, that's a pretty meaningful leap. But keeping in mind, we're pretty low. Uh, this is only taking Brent crude up to sixty four dollars a barrel. And if you're looking at, you know, we've often talked about markets as a constraint on policymakers and and on a certain <laughs> on, on a variety of different things that uh, that we can do on a national security uh, level as well. And uh, the and certainly, uh, mixing it up in the in the Middle East, uh, higher and rising and, and sort of uh, and punishingly high oil prices are, are a potential constraint. But uh, basically, Brent crude at $64 a barrel isn't dissuading anybody from anything.
0: Well, um, we're going to keep an eye on that again looking ahead to next week. Um, any um – uh, any data we have to, to pay attention to?
2: It's a relatively light week. We get uh, durable goods and wholesale inventories, a few data points on the housing market. But um, the thing that probably the market's going to be paying most attention to is the uh, PCE price index for May. Um, so the the core PCE price index is what the, the Fed pays most attention to with a 2% inflation target. And uh, if you kind of extrapolate from the CPI and PPI data we already have, it looks like the year-over-year number is going to be a mere 1.5%. So um, maybe that 100% pricing in for the July, can it go up to 150% or is that 100% (laughs) the top?
1: Right, right. We already achieved metaphysical certitude.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then next week, of course, uh, we'll be looking at the a potential uh, Trump Xi meeting uh, on the sidelines of the G20. They've already indicated that, you know, trade talks can, are going to uh, you know start back again. Um, I think people are you know going to be cautious about uh, anticipating after after, the, you know, they signaled uh, the last time around. Um, that you know success was at hand i think people are going to be more cautious about it right now but certainly it sounds like pointing towards um uh lowering the heat in that relationship but uh but we'll see that's something we'll be paying attention to next week uh when we'll be uh, we'll be back with you again next friday uh this is tony fratto uh hamilton Play strategies from brussels here on the macrocast along with uh John Fagan and Brendan Walsh in Washington, D.C. Uh, Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to the HPS Macrocast, produced by Hamilton Place Strategies in association with Markets Policy Partners. For more from Hamilton Place Strategies, follow us on Twitter at HPS Insight. For more from Markets Policy Partners, please visit MarketsPolicy.com.